Well, that was nice. I enjoyed that. Good to see one another, shake hands, talk to each other. I think that uh, as we come back from, from being separated in so many different ways, it's wonderful to be able to express our, our unity in tangible ways. I would uh, invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. We continue our study of the book of Galatians this morning. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And we're almost through with our study of Galatians. We only have three more uh, sermons in Galatians, uh, counting this morning's in Galatians 6, 1 through 6. Uh, If you are using the Pew Bibles, it can be found on page 975, 975. Now, last week... Paul outlined how the fruit of the Spirit is expressed in the lives of believers. That is, the outward evidence of living a Spirit-led life. And we saw that it is expressed through the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As you remember, Paul is exhorting us to keep in step with the Spirit, to be spiritual people. Now, to be a spiritual person versus a religious person seems to be very in vogue these days. People will declare, you know, I'm not religious, but I am a very spiritual person. However, exactly what the world means by spiritual is a question up for grabs. For some people, being spiritual means expressing a belief in supernatural events or supernatural beings. For other, it means following New Age spiritualism. For some, being spiritual means practicing transcendental meditation. The spiritual person, from Hollywood's perspective, is connected with Eastern religions, lacks absolute moral standards, and, quite frankly, smokes a lot of marijuana. As Christians, of course, we would reject such conceptions of the spiritual life. But I believe we have also created a false understanding, a false picture in our minds what it means to be a spiritual person. We might think a spiritual person is someone who has taken a vow of silence and lives out this vow of silence for the rest of his life. Or maybe it is a woman who fasts three times a week and gives herself to prayer. We might think of a man spending hours in prayer and scripture reading. Others of us might think of charismatic experiences as the definition of what it means to be spiritual. Spiritual people have visions, speak prophecies, and perform faith healings. Now, Some of these practices may very well be expressions of the true spiritual life. It is good to read scripture and to pray. We would bless the Lord if he chose through our prayers to heal our brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling with disease. This is truly a work of God's spirit that he does through us. However, I think that it is important for us to pay attention to what Paul views as a manifestation of the spiritual life. Last week we saw that it is the fruit of the Spirit coming forth through our lives. And this week we see that to be a spiritual person, the fruit of the Spirit must be lived out in community and not in isolation. 
You see, people who believe themselves to be spiritual yet have no community within the body of Christ are truly missing the mark of what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. To be spiritual, we must be connected to the church. For it's easy to be a loving person when the recipient of your love merely lives in your mind. It's easy to be patient when there's no one whose annoying behavior is testing your patience. It's exceedingly easy to be gentle when there is no one under your authority to take advantage of. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not expressed in isolation. The fruit of the Spirit is not born and harvested when you're off hiking by yourself in the woods. Rather, the fruit of the Spirit is manifested in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. When you are sinned against and you forgive. When you're provoked and you give a gentle response. When you are tired and you faithfully show up for the sake of others. When we think of growing spiritually, we often focus our attention on private practices. Much which are very good. Private prayer, private Bible study, private meditation, private worship. However, the Word of God calls us to more than merely a private, individual, isolated faith, but rather a public faith expressed in communal spirituality. In our passage for this morning, Paul outlines how those who are spiritual express their spirituality within the body of Christ through restoring community with gentleness, through preserving community with service, and through supporting community with generosity. So hear now the word of the Lord, Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you now at this time. And we thank you that as... We read your word. From the very beginning, we see the Spirit at work. We see that the Spirit is active and moving. We thank you for the work of your Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as you ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, that you poured forth your Spirit upon the church. And that even at the day of Pentecost, your Spirit came and manifested itself among your apostles and came to rest upon all those who believe in you. And so we pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would be among us, that you would be active, that you would be powerful, that through the preaching of the word that you inspired, 
that you would change hearts and that you would reform both our thoughts and our lives that we might truly follow your ways for the glory and honor of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The first thing that I want us to see in our text for this morning is that to live in community, every Christian must seek to restore community with gentleness. Look again at verse 1 of our text. Paul there says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, as we go through the Word of God, we see and understand that sin breaks community. It fractures our fellowship with God, and it fractures our fellowship with one another. You understand this in your own life, that as you engage in sin, that that sin drives a wedge between you and the one that you have sinned against. And through the false teaching spreading in Galatia, there was broken relationships. And Paul addresses those who would be spiritual here. Those who would seek to follow after the Spirit of God. He says, instead of shunning, instead of ignoring, instead of shaming, ridiculing, or fighting those who have been caught in sin... If you would follow after the Spirit, you need to seek to see that person restored into the fellowship of the body of Christ. Paul is touching here on what proper church discipline looks like. How do you deal with false teaching and sinful behavior when it occurs within the body of Christ? What we see here being highlighted is that there must be be a desire to see a brother in Christ restored. We're ignorant or willingly naive if we believe that sin is not going to disrupt the communal life of the church. It's an ever-present danger. It will and it does happen. So often people are amazed, they're shocked when sin arises within the body of Christ and they will call Christians hypocrites. Well, yeah, of course we're hypocrites. We're a bunch of sinners. It's the reality of who we are. We're seeking to follow after Christ, but never perfectly. You should not be surprised when you encounter sin from other sinners. It's a reality of the world that we live in. But if we are going to be spiritual, if we would seek to follow the Spirit, what Paul is saying is that when sin occurs, we are not to separate ourselves away by shunning that person, but rather we are to seek that person out to have them restored to the body of Christ. Now, when sin is public and persistent, it is the duty of the church session, that is the elders, to pursue biblical church discipline. To call a brother or sister in Christ to repentance for the sake of guarding the church, for the sake of honoring the name of Christ, and ultimately to restore them to fellowship within the body of Christ. This is what Jesus says, In Matthew 18, when he talks about proper discipline within the body of Christ, he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. 
You see, discipline in the church is not primarily punitive. It is meant to be restorative. And those who would be led by the Spirit of God need to seek to restore broken community. Yet the majority of the conflicts within the church will not come to the place of formal discipline before the church session, but rather will play out in private conversations, in small groups, in Sunday school classes. Your disputes and arguments will take place over Facebook or in the hallways of the church or in your neighborhoods. They will be with those who live close to you and with your family members and your friends. And if we would see community restored, we have to be a spiritual people who seek reconciliation with gentleness and humility. As I have pastored Rivermont through the pandemic, I have heard more than a few opinions on more than a few topics, as you can imagine. And so I know that there are members of this church who hold opposing views on topics that are very important to you. And these differences have given rise to conflicts within the body of Christ, even to the point of people leaving our fellowship. But those who are spiritual among us, those who would keep in step with the Holy Spirit must seek restoration of community. Not running away from community into isolation, but in gentleness, engage with those whom you disagree. Not seeking to prove your point, but to restore your relationship. Because the main sin that we are dealing with at this point in the history of the community of Rivermont and the broader church of Jesus Christ is not that we hold different opinions on a response to a pandemic. The sin that we are dealing with is the fracture of relationship that has occurred over secondary issues. Paul has just said the works of the flesh are dissensions and divisions. And so as we seek to be spiritual, as we seek to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, we must be about love and peace and gentleness. And if we are going to come back together as a unified body over the next several months, we will have to find our unity in Christ and the work of His Spirit within us alone. We will have to be in step with the Spirit and not the flesh. Because you all hold different opinions on a myriad of topics. And if you do not keep watch over yourselves, as Paul says, as Paul exhorts us, you will be tempted towards division and anger and frustration with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But if in gentleness and love you address the sin of division, those who are spiritual among us will see our community Restored and healed. Now, one of the nice side effects of our year of lockdowns has been a little extra free time. No evening obligations, no travel for work meetings, no practices, no groups. You were free to use your time as you saw fit within certain bounds. And now that things are starting to open back up, many are feeling hesitant to re-engage with their former obligations. 
Prior to the pandemic, you were overscheduled. You were always running from one thing to another. And now that you've enjoyed a year of fewer obligations, many of us are loath to return to our hectic former life. I get it. I have five kids with lots of activities. Running them around all over the place can be tiring. It was nice to have a little bit of a freer schedule. And I believe that this has presented us now with a great opportunity to reorient our schedules to align with our priorities. So what will you give your time to now that the world is opening back up? Will you continue to isolate? Or will you pick back up all of your former busyness? Or will you use this opportunity to prioritize your obligation to the body of Christ? In addressing the Galatians, Paul urges that those who would seek to follow the Spirit, who would live spiritual lives, they must seek to preserve the community through service to the body of Christ. Look at verses 2 through 5. Pay attention to how it begins and how it ends. Paul says in verse 2, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now Paul begins and ends these verses with a call to load-bearing. The first call is to bear the burdens of others. That is, to walk alongside one another in the church, serving and caring for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Bear one another's burdens. The second call is to bear our own load. That is, we are not to assume that others will do the work of the body, but we will shoulder our portion of the needs. Now, it might seem strange that Paul calls us as Christians both to bear others' burdens and our own burdens. However, this approach to live in the body of Christ is what preserves community. Each one is called to serve the body of Christ in ways that they can, not expecting that someone else will bear the load that has been given to them. You see, if we would be spiritual, if we would be led by the Holy Spirit, we must be willing to serve within the body of Christ. We must orient our lives in such a way that we are not first looking to our own needs, but we're looking to the needs of the body of Christ. We have spent a year getting used to thinking of ourselves and not the body. But if the community is to continue, we need to re-engage in tangible acts of service within the body. We need people who are willing to serve in nursery. We need people who are willing to teach Sunday school classes. We need people who are willing to lead children's church. We need ushers. We need deacons. We need people to sing in the choir. We need people who are willing to serve on the sound team. So many of you have come up to me over the last several months and said, it's been such a blessing to be able to see church, to engage in church through the live stream. Someone was bearing that burden for you so that you could do that. And now that you have come back 
It's time for you to step up and to bear that burden so that others might receive. And there are many other ways that you can serve within the body of Christ. Informal ways. Bringing meals to those who need encouragement. Praying with those who are struggling. Sharing a word of encouragement. Offering childcare for free to a young couple who needs a night out. Visiting someone who is lonely and forming a friendship. I love how Paul minces no words here when it comes to our self-centered approach to life. It's like, come on, Paul. Can you be a little bit more sensitive? For he says, if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The reason that communities fall apart is self-centered deception. When we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are more than we are. It is when people believe that their own personal lives and ambitions are more important than the lives and the mission of the church. They believe that they are more important than their brother in Christ. And therefore they do not serve. They do not sacrifice. They are unwilling to bear their own load, let alone the burdens of others. But community only works when we are willing to lay down our lives and to live like Jesus Christ. This is what Paul means when he says that in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. You see, we are to pattern our communal lives after the life of Jesus. Listen to the way that Paul explains it in Philippians chapter 2. He says, in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right? Bear your load, bear the load of others. Now how do we do this? He goes on to say, have this mind among yourselves. This is how you do it. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Sacrificing for the interests of others is at the very heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the very path that our Lord walked. He humbled Himself and He went to the cross. He died on behalf of His church to wash her, to sanctify her from her sin, to bear the load and the burden of her sin. And we have placed our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ that He has done for us in offering His life on our behalf. That we might be forgiven and brought into the family of God. We are called to mirror His life. By taking up our cross daily and bearing the burdens of others. For the law of Christ is love. And love is the most power, is most powerfully manifested in self-sacrifice for the good of others. Christ laid down His life for the church. We should be honored to follow in His footsteps. And so too to lay down our lives. For the body of Christ. You see, if you'd be spiritual, truly spiritual, you cannot isolate yourself. You cannot selfishly guard your time, but rather you must preserve the community of the body of Christ through self-sacrificing 
service to the church. You see, if we'd be spiritual, if we'd be led by the Spirit, we must restore community with gentleness. We must preserve community with service. And the third thing that we see is that we must support community with generosity. Look down at verse 6. It says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. You see, if we would be led by the Spirit, we must generously support the gospel ministry. As a pastor, it's sometimes difficult to call people to give generously to the church because your tithes and offerings go directly to support me financially. And so as a pastor, you can feel a bit like a charlatan getting up and preaching, telling people if they would follow the Spirit of God, they're called to give to the gospel ministry. And so it's wonderful that Paul does it for me. For he clearly teaches that those who give their lives to the gospel ministry are called to be financially supported in this calling. As we read in 1 Corinthians 9, a parallel text, Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. You see, for the community of the church to thrive, it must be supported through generosity. For God's design for the community of His church is that it would be built around and it would be built upon the foundation of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not just merely a country club that get together to socialize. We are not just a social service that is situated here on Rivermont Avenue. The central aspect of our community and of our gathering together, the central aspect of our worship service when we come together is that the good news of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed clearly. That the Spirit would work through the preaching of the Word to change lives, to change hearts, that families might be changed, that neighborhoods might be changed, so that communities and states and countries and this whole world might be changed. But the community of the body of Christ cannot exist without the generosity of those who are taught the Gospel. Because a true Clear teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot just be a side hustle for the pastor. And therefore, the community of the body of Christ must come together and those who are taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches so that the proclamation of the gospel will go forward. Now, it's my privilege to serve here at Rivermont as a pastor, alongside the other pastors here. And I'm so grateful, along with our other pastors, that this body has faithfully fulfilled this call to generously support the gospel ministry. Even last week during the congregational meeting, you voted to keep the salaries of the pastors in line with the rising cost of living, and we thank you for that. But it's one thing to vote, and it's another thing to give. And so I call upon you, if you would be spiritual, stand behind the vote that this congregation took 
and generously share all things that the gospel proclamation might continue to go forward in power. Often we think of spiritual people as those who live in poverty. They give all that they have away and they focus on God. But this is not the approach that is given to the community of Christ. To give generously is not a call to poverty, either for you as the ones who are taught or me, the one who teaches. Rather, we are called to generously share all things that we might all live in a truly prosperous community centered on the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over the last 15 months, we've longed for community. We've been isolated from our friends, families, schools, and churches. Events have been canceled, parties delayed, graduations have been moved online, sporting events run at one-tenth capacity. And as a nation, we've realized that community is important because it's been taken away from us. But now that the restrictions have been lifted and we can once again engage, we've also realized that community is hard. People are difficult. Obligations are intrusive. While we might have missed gathering with other people, now that we have the opportunity to re-engage, we are a bit hesitant. We've become used to the comforts of an isolated life. Working from home is isolating But it's nice to set your own schedule and to stay in your gym shorts all day. Doing school from home means that you can't be with your friends, but it also means that once you get your work done, the rest of the time can be spent doing whatever you want to, playing video games or watching TV. Watching church through the live stream lacks the personal connection you have when you're in person. But it's nice to watch church from your bed in your jammies with a nice cup of coffee as many of you have confessed that you enjoy doing over this past year, it's nice not to have to make small talk or feel obligated to serve in the nursery or to teach Sunday school. But re-engagement is now the task that is before us as a community. And there are several hurdles that we must overcome. First, being alone is freeing and re-engagement means obligation. When I travel over the weekend for a presbytery meeting or go out of town for a full week for general assembly, when I come back to my house to re-engage with my family, it's always difficult. When I come through the door, I need to be ready to help with homework, moderate a disagreement, cook a meal, do dishes, listen to a story, take the dog out, clean up a mess, put a baby down for the night. For a period of time, I merely had my own needs to deal with. And all of a sudden, I have a whole family that needs my attention. And as we venture back out into this world in which other people live, we are going to be confronted with the needs of other people and it will be disruptive because we have spent the last year able to focus solely on ourselves or at least in our family. And so it's hard. Second, re-engagement is going to be difficult because we've grown in different ways over the past year. People have changed this year. This past year has reshaped each of us. 
Some of these changes are to be expected, right? They're middle school boys who went from being a child to a teenager in the last 14 months. But others of us have changed in ways that you might not have expected. Political and social issues have become more heightened and divisive this year. As we re-engage with people, they are looking to express their newfound positions and insights. We have spent a year reading and watching media without an opportunity to share what we have discovered and we are yearning to express ourselves. However, your friends most likely have changed in a different direction than you did. And someone who you thought agreed with you may now hold a very different opinion than you do. And so it's hard to re-engage. Third, re-engagement is hard because people are broken and sinful. It's scary to re-emerge from the safety of our isolation because it means that we expose ourselves again not merely to the possibility of viruses, but to the reality of sin. Mean words, hurt feelings, suggestive glances. The stress and hardships of this past year have been real and we are all still processing what has happened to us both individually and as a community and a nation. And we bring this vulnerability to the table as we re-engage with one another. And as we do so, we realize that community is difficult. And this is why Paul's words to the Galatians are so timely for us who are coming back together again. For he is explaining how community is to be restored. How it is to be preserved and supported as Christians exercise the fruit of the Spirit. The church today is dealing with a true struggle for unity. Many are at the point of fracture. But through gentleness, service, and generosity, the Lord will restore, preserve, and support our communal spirituality. And so I exhort you. Go to your brother or sister in Christ with whom you have a disagreement and repent that your relationship might be restored. Re-engage with service to this body. Turn from your selfishness. Let's not cover it up with all of these things that, well, I'm busy and I have a lot going on, everything like this, you know, it's a difficult time for me. Let's just speak the way that Paul speaks. You think you're more important. You think you're something when you're nothing. But you are something in Christ. And you have a place in this body. This body needs you. So begin to pray not about whether you will serve, but how you will serve. And take that step to serve in the body of Christ. And support the preaching of the gospel. Take that step to generously, sacrificially give. Because this community will not continue without your generosity. This is how we are called to follow the Spirit. This is how we are to be spiritual, through Christ-like service and submission to His body. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to You now at this time and we do pray that You would give to us the grace to live spiritual lives where we know that we cannot do this on our own, where the flesh is powerful and deceptive, 
and turns our eyes inward. O Spirit, would you turn our eyes outward that we might see our call to go forward to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.